Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Oh, let's do it live on a Football Friday edition of the program. Merely Bo, the great Z. There's a certain excellence in the room, kids. Feast your eyes. Oh, baby. What a job. Some would call it the B-M-P-P-E. Yes. The creme de la creme. On us. The creme de la creme. I just feel great in this thing. I feel like I could. there's nothing that I'm incapable of accomplishing when I wear the city. And by the way, yes, I did, in case you're wondering, peacock around a little bit. I was curious what the reaction in the building was. I came in really hot today, and we've got construction, so I wasn't able to get, like, my normal a lot people. Of, a lot I'll, of people. I heard a lot of people. How do I get one of those? Sorry. You don't. Al- Sweet Allison was like, I got to have one. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Even it's an unbelievable. There's a, a luminary, the, like. As, one of the. No, like as big as it would get that would be here on a regular basis. Yep. Said that we were, uh, we're just catching dubs in these things. Yep. And I, I, he didn't come out and say it, but it felt like he'd like one. I bet. I think it's something that a lot of people are going to want uh, once once these are seen. So this this we we went through this with uh, with the the exquisite Brad Mellon yesterday when he was here. In what a legend! By the way, he called me last night. <clears throat> okay. Said I. I had the best time. I really enjoyed. It. I said, "Well, you have an open well, invitation. Come on, come on, any time. Like he could hand out the BMPPE." And he's like, "So, <laughs> making gum so that could have stuck to my hand. Could so, so many ways. ways. So many ways." And uh, I was like, "You have an open invitation. Come whenever." He goes, "It was really cool. We were just like talking, like we we're hanging." Out. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's the show. That's what we do. That's what the show is. That's yeah, right. That's what we do. And we love hanging out and yeah. talking with Brad Mellon. Yeah." So he was in yesterday. You know the backstory on the on the hoodies and all of that. Um, you and I, I'm trying to remember when we dreamt up the cream. I remember the conversation about it, and I remember uh, talking to my because we there was a there was a bit a lot behind the scenes. Like there was even a, a hom an homage uh, yeah. correspondence that took place. Yeah, and they they ended up with the cream starters, which we have. Yep. Um, and we at some point decided we're going to be the kings of cream. That's um, right. And then, but I and I remember that conversation. Is that how did that? So how did what, we get to where cream was the correct? So there was the black, right? Then there was an orange, orange. Yeah. Then there was a gray, which we were never into, right? And I wasn't. I wasn't huge into the orange. I liked the black. No, we were not. We wanted the black. Yeah. And then we said, "Well, what about a white?" white. Yeah, that's right. And then the white showed itself up yep. in Atlanta. Yep. The white was distributed in the white most. White will never be looked at the same. In the most egregiously offensive way possible. Yep. And then we said, cream, baby. Cream. We wouldn't even say it out loud on the show. We wouldn't even say the word cream. For fear of it being. And then just so that you people understand, like we back channeled through various different alternative routes of achieving this. This. And in fact, it ultimately like. We would reference things like the Wu Tang Clan's theory about yep. you know what rules things and oh, yeah. oh, those the, those the students of the show, yep, those who get it who pay attention to the scores they knew what we were talking about, but it turns out that we have a hoodie that might be made with like golden fibers, 
I don't even know. I've never seen anything like it. Given the the tag that came with it, the tag that was with it was I didn't even know that was possible unless it was like I I mean with like Gucci, like that that, like that type of yes, and it came with its own like bag. What is it? No stitch, no stitch on something accounted for or something. Yeah, incredible. Or every stitch, every stitch accounted for. I think something like that. There's some sort of a pulley system in the back in the back that keeps it. So it keeps it. I guess it keeps it down so you could reach and. And it's yes. light but warm. Light but warm. Light yeah, but warm. Yeah, because it's not a, it's not like the doors. No. Remember those things? Oh, God, God almighty. We no, we would be cooking. Yeah. Cooked our innards. It, exactly. So the show in that. So then we yeah, we said we said, How about the cream? And it turns out, give a little behind the scenes for people, that these had to be sourced. This is why Brad Mellon is who he is. So that's BMPPE. Not only is he the equipment manager of the year in the NFL, but when you have a title as prestigious as that equipment managers from other sports yep want to be in your rolodex that's right and we were told that these this cream was only to be found in the association and it would yep. lead one to believe that Giannis probably walks around in a, a hoodie made of this same material i bet on the reg but not with this not with this can't 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 he could come it. here and ask me today and also and I'd say, i'm pretty no. sure that the the cream cities which you have the the lovely hoodie of. I do. Uh, the cream cities are gone because they were, in terms of the advertising on the courts in the NBA, they they would blow those out. Yeah, it was like so one year. So you can't wear yeah. the cream anymore. Like you won't see NBA teams in cream anymore. So these are these are legitimately like one of four. That's right. That's where we are. Um, so it came to fruition. Gibe's not even. It wearing was it. done so. What is the deal? I, I don't know what I don't know. It was done so. Gibe did everything in his power to roadblock this. Yeah, that's what we were told. To keep yesterday. our joy down. Yeah. To minimize our joy. To make it almost impossible for us to give it. Get it. You've he's done, done he's everything like Toby in, his power, in the office. A thief of joy. He is a thief of joy to disable us. Yeah. As opposed to enabling us, he has tried to disa- disable us in every possible way. And this, and yet, still, it's done. Brad told us a story that I found to be hard to believe, but also at the same time, not hard to believe. While we were led down a primrose path that poor Gibe was battling issues and yep. was out sick. I'm told he was trying to intercept the package. He was dealing with FedEx. He was oh, then trying on. to go. Yes, yes, trying to intercept the package before it could get to Brad. And then oh apparently payments were offered to Brad Mellon to, to pr- burn these. Oh, my to God. To burn them on video and have to make us watch that. It just hurts. Why? More than anything he's, else. Notice he's not wearing painful. it. Like, that is what a tell. I look forward to the entire last two minutes of this conversation and a retraction at about 3.05, please. How could there be? What do you mean? How could at, there at be no a restriction? Point am I are you going to roadblock it? Are you, going to are you other questioning evidence? the integrity of Brad Melland? The BMPPE. Is that what you're doing right now? No, Brad and I have our own conversations. It's all. I good. know. He told us. Well, he said that you were flat out against it and wanted to see us suffer. Uh, and, and the whole operation fail because I didn't I, even yeah, know you were working yeah. with Brad. The word fail is what I heard. <laughs> yeah, I want it to be a failure. We should. Um, one other. Uh, of course you didn't. You couldn't be Key trusted. component of this is the great Pods. Pods. Shout out Pods. So Pods. Uh, Podolak. Unbelievable. Mark Podolak. Unbelievable. Uh, it's his original design. It's perfect. And it's perfect. Perfect. I mean, he even created two for us to choose from. And we went with this, and it was a consensus that we. This is the right choice. Radio show, yeah. It was. It's the right choice, I think, for sure. Um, there is the the matter of there is one outstanding 
unclaimed. Yes. Now, this could be something that we bestow. Could be. Could be something that's bestowed. It's in our it's it's we have it. We have the, here are the options. Here are the options. We did we bestow. Bestow. We could do charity. We could do a fundraiser with it. Fundraiser sure. with it? Yep. Yep. Uh loyal listeners. One loyal listener lottery. Or, Ned, Bobby, therapy. Or, or per, perhaps there's an essay writing contest. An essay writing contest. Well, then I would have to read the essays. I'll read them. <laughs> I don't want to read them. It, it's outside of the times of 1P to 3P. Yeah. No, we'll read them on air. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be, be an silly. off-season segment. Maybe, maybe, great. maybe an essay contest. Maybe you uh, have a Maybe an essay contest exposing, exposing our greatness. That we could read? Sure. Whoever can put it in the best context. Or greatest. why do you love, you get three sentences. Yeah. Grammatically correct. Why do you love CBD and why do you deserve this hoodie? More so, why do you love us? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That. that By the way, do. any mention of praise for this guy? <laughs> out. Out. Not a chance. No hoodies. Nope. No hoodies. So that's or, something we'll have to sort or, of. Or, 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 it's a pretty good trade chip, trade piece. Well, that's the other part. Which and and by the way, guess who was already hitting me up last night talking trade? Already, Meland. Wow, you're darn right he was. Yeah, yep, I like it. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, because I think this, well, I think the one thing that we have to say and equivocally we need to do with it is something that benefits you and I. Yeah, and less extend others, Mister Zagura. Why don't we trade it to a company that has? RVs and we go down to the Bourbon Trail and oh play my golf. God. RV RV golf Bourbon trip. That's right. It's interesting. You've, it's, what do you it, think about that? You've kind of hit that twice out of. The, I've driven an RV. He's ready. He's watching for like twelve days. You oh, we know go? you're the driver. Let's go, buddy. Yeah, of course you're the driver. Footer. Yeah, the of course you're the driver. We'll be, be swinging in hammocks. Yeah, playing some men. <laughs> It's interesting. You have you've dropped that RV twice this week out of nowhere, out of the clear blue weird. sky, almost. How it's yeah. just pa paratrooped into the show. It feels like it was an idea that was like down south that has made its, it's way moved north. its way north. And ironically, so. yet we want to take it back south. Yeah, we will. Uh, listen to this. Is that where we would do it? Would listen we do to the, that? Listen to the pandering that's happening right now. Give it. Got a text. Give it to me. Or one for the official Nana of CBD. Oh, Nana. Nana, we love you. We do love you. We love you so much, dearly. So much. So much. For sure. Let's just focus yeah. on that. Yeah, let's let's just let's try and stay positive here today. Yeah, let's focus on it. You can't be trusted. You could be stuck in the mud, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, Look, mud's what, all over Oh, it. how did that go yeah. when I told you my solution? What did they think of that? Ignored. As of now, Nana was on the hook for a third of it. By the way, Drew. That was the sol that's how you do it. Drew Davidson has just submitted to us that he is, a, he is working on his case for the unclaimed, and it has to do with on-air lights for us. Well, now, now we're talking. That's now we're something talking. that would benefit our lives. Benefit our lives and the show and, yep. and show that he's a, he's a member of the show. Yeah. And Drew's a great human. All of he's a sudden, a great yeah, human. Drew found on air lights. Well, five months after the fact. Not all of a sudden, but five, five months, months. Five years. I was going to say five years. What do you mean? <laughs> like the whole time. How, hold on. I really need to know this. This is bothering me. It's eating yeah. at me. Okay. Gibbe, why are you not wearing your hoodie? I... I Today was the day. Today's the day. Okay. I missed the memo. Number one. Connor, number did two. I not give him the memo verbally five different times in the last two yeah, hours? He walked in and handed me a sweatshirt. Like, and said, I'm wear this today. My, I'm trying to get my sea legs back currently. Like, <laughs> it's 
It's been a rough few days. It's here, amazing people. that you always try to like come at people for having excuses, and yet you have a rep, a vast repertoire. We didn't ask you to go run a marathon. We weren't asking about your legs. We That's were asking right. about you to put a hoodie on. Yeah, you're wearing a hoodie. We say take that hoodie off, put this hoodie on. That's it. Well, it's it's been wonderful. Uh, it's a win for everybody. Um, I've never. I mean, in terms of the acquisition of one piece of clothing the only time that i would say i ever felt similar joy and elation to what i feel right now is when i acquired the macho man's robe that he wore as the <laughs> wwf champion in london england against hulk hogan that's it that's it that's the list, that's I, the list. I would say uh seventh grade christmas jordan fours or sixth grade christmas jordan fours mm. that was a big moment yeah where i didn't know if that was going to happen First so it's time, on that level. First time for me that I asked for some uh, Converse as a young man because, of course, they were worn by Lerone Bird and That's right. Magic Irvin That's Johnson. Right. And my dad bought me the Payless Shoe oh, Source no. knockoffs that looked like them. Sure they did. Who could tell the difference? Uh, I could. Dad. I, dad, I, did, I, did. I, did. I did. I did. I had the Laker weapons. Ugh, yeah. Good I, for you. I think I stretched like three years out of them. Good for you. That's probably where we're at. Oh, that's Nana's good. Nana's taking it well. That's good. That's good. Uh, championship weekend is upon us. I was thinking about this. Yes, Mr. Zagura. We we actually have to break. I hate to. Oh, why? Well, hold we on. have I a guess? guest at 115. Well, oh, for God's sake. But quickly, quickly, we have a submission. <laughs> okay. Guys, not only did we provide interim air CBD, which is the on-air light, I personally composed theme music and songs for the oh show, but gosh, Gatekeeper Jay. Gibbe has kept them from the people ready to essay at Nathan Zagura at Bo Bishop, hashtab unclaimed. I would say that Jade from, is, a, from a a giving standpoint, Jade and and Brown's therapy have given the most. Therapy has been on it too. I mean, those would be the two that I would say. Jay brings up a fantastic point. Yeah, on air light, music, much like us, Gibby keeping trying to hold her back. Why is he gatekeeps her music? It's I don't understand. He gatekeeps oh, us. Why won't he wear this hoodie? By the way, here's who's not getting the hoodie, Greg. Greg Boggs 8, WTF is this, hoodie radio, enough already. It's nauseating. Oh, sad, Greg. And then he says this, which makes it hard to believe that he could write these two sentences in the same tweet. Yeah. I listen every day while working. If you listen every day, you, know you should be the feeling in the, you should be in, feeling Bathing the joy. In the joy of it all, Bathing Greg. the glory of it, Greg. Oh, come it's on. It's Friday. Live, live a little. Live, Greg. Gosh. By the way, succession. speaking of Greg, Succession Season 4 trailer dropped oh, yesterday. Oh, baby. Good. Looked good. That's right. All right. Uh, we got a lot. We got, we're up again. We got guests. We're going to preview it. Bengals, Chiefs uh, preview coming up. James Rapian going to join us coming up next. Uh, we're off and running on a Friday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. When you're on the injured list, get your help back in the game. 1-800-ELK-OHIO is a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Let's head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. He is the host of the Locked On Bengals podcast. He is James Rapine. He joins us on the road, the Sports Illustrated Bengals beat writer. James, thanks for taking the time, pals. You head to Kansas City. I guess let's start here. Um, as you cover this Bengals team on a day-in, day-out basis, um, Certainly, we were all aware of the talent, 
but it feels like they yeah. have become really the best team in the NFL over the last couple of months. At what point did it crystallize for you what this team was going to be capable of? Well, you know, going into the year, you certainly liked their chances of, of being better than they were a year ago. Part of that had to do with them just kind of being ahead of schedule. You know, a year ago we were headed to Kansas City to cover them, and not many people, including myself, expected them to be there. This year, it's like, okay, well, if Burrow takes another step and the offensive line is better and Zach Taylor's better, and uh, all of those things have happened, really. And, and even though the offensive line has suffered some injuries, uh, this Bengals team is playing as, as well as they've played during this two-year run. As far as when I thought during the season that they were capable of this, I don't know if there was an, an exact moment, but I'll tell you this. When we left Cleveland on that uh, Tuesday morning after that Monday night game, and they felt a 4-4, four and four, it was like, well, what is this team? And they haven't lost since. So at some point during this stretch, uh, if I had to name an exact point, maybe beating the Chiefs for a third straight time, in week yeah. 13, and uh, the other part would be just uh, surviving, not having Jamar Chase. I don't think they could have done that last year. So they, they've done a lot of things that they haven't done or that they didn't do last year during that run. What's kind of been the take right now in Cincinnati? And we're going to get to a lot of good things. And not necessarily, this isn't necessarily a bad thing per se, just kind of Eli Apple's social media activity and the fact that oh, yeah. a Bengals team that everybody – kind of loved all of a sudden is kind of the heels it feels like headed into this matchup with the Chiefs it's something Eli's done since he got here and I, I remember last year thinking the same thing like well what what is he doing on Twitter and clearly he uses that to fire himself up and um, clearly the Bengals don't have a huge issue with it now I, I don't think they love <laughs> it right he's the only guy in that locker room that tweets like that but uh yeah if he plays well on Sunday, I think they'll take it. So it's not a huge topic of discussion, but I know I know guys are certainly aware of it. Well, the other thing is, is he he kind of represents, you know, in a way because he's a scrap heap guy, right? Like he was his NFL yeah. career is left for dead. It's been resurrected yeah. there. Um, he's not the only one. They've done, it's a the defense. We talk so much about their offense and Burrow, and we'll get to all that. But it's really their defense that's uh, that's been stabilizing, and and they've they put a bunch of guys together who play well as a unit. Lou Anarumo should get a ton of credit, yes. I would think, for for what he's done with that defense because you know that the that offensively they're going to be there. But it's really the defense that's been the difference maker, hasn't it? No doubt, and the, the word stabilize is a good way to put it because early on this season when the, the Bengals were, were dealing with some issues on offense. The offensive line was working through some things. Burrow was still coming back from that uh, appendix surgery, which he lost a bunch of weight, and even though he started week one, it doesn't look like he does now. Like he, he was clearly light and, and not as, as healthy as he is now. So uh, th this defense has, has come up big, and honestly I think it is uh, as big of a reason as any as to why they are – arguably the best team in the AFC, but the argue, why they've won 10 straight. Because this defense has made big plays on the road, forcing a turnover in New England late in the game. Obviously, we saw Sam Hubbard's play a few weeks ago against the Ravens. They just find a way, and uh, we'll see if they can do it again this Sunday. So when the, their last loss, which was against the Browns on Monday Night Football here, and that was the game that they yeah. also lost to Dovia for the year. Yep. In that game, Cam Taylor-Britt came in, and then I can't forget, Trey Flowers, I want to say. Trey Flowers came in, yep. and the Browns just abused the two of them, one-on-one, -on -one, especially Amari Cooper in that game. 
who yep. <laughs> has really stepped up and kind of solidified that second outside corner position for them because that's not happening. I mean, you go against Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, not happening. They've been very good on the outside. So who's really kind of stepped up for them in that role as that number two corner that, and, you know, obviously leaving Mike Hilton, one of the best slot blitzers in the league uh, on the inside. Yeah. Eli Apple obviously is, is slides into that one role and yep. I don't think anyone look, would look at him as a, you know, a top corner, but he's played pretty well and been consistent outside of, you know, getting beat by a double move against Baltimore. Uh, and then it's Cam Taylor Britt and, and yep. he's, he was forced into action and they really liked him in the draft. They traded up for him in the second round in April and he's, uh, he's come on strong, had an interception last week, had a really nice play on Gabe Davis, play on the ball. Uh, on a, a really key play for the Bills' offense. So, yeah, I, I think he's solid. But if you were to pick out a weakness on this defense, it probably would be their outside corners. And, and so we'll see if the, the Chiefs can exploit that. Obviously, the Bills wanted to, and they weren't able to exploit it the way they had hoped. Well, we've uh, we've put it off long enough. I mean, this this is really <laughs> Burrow is the, is the operation here, isn't it? Um, he's a one-man comet. Truly, uh, just incredible what he's done for the organization, what he's meant. It's interesting the yeah. the belief that everybody has in him. It's justified clearly, um, but he really. How does he? Let me ask you this, James, as someone who's around him all the time. How does he balance saying things that I think it, coming out of others' mouth would sound cocky or arrogant, and yet out of his yeah. aren't? How how does he pull that off? Man. I don't know because I couldn't say half the crap he says, right? One way or the other, like the way, the, the way he pulls it off. I, I think it is pretty simple. And if you asked him, he, he would say the same thing. He's just himself all the time, and he'll say what's on his mind. And sometimes that does mean that you know that the cocky or borderline cocky, confident stuff that we've seen. And in other times, it's just a, a general answer. You never really know what you're going to get. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just who he is. And so I, I think it, it's just he's himself every single day, and, and that's the one consistent thing. The weapons aren't bad either. Jamar no. Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they're really running it effectively with Joe Mixon. We saw that last week. Hurst making some big catches. They get him on the fake screen, the touchdown kind of wheel route to Hayden Hurst there. How is this yeah. group, you know, been okay with kind of – it, it's up and down, right, in terms of who gets the ball certain games. You know, T. Higgins, I'm pretty sure for the four games that, that uh, Chase was out was amongst the league leaders in receiving yards for that four-week period. And then, obviously, Chase comes back. His numbers are different this year. But it can be a Boyd game. It can be a Chase game. It can be a Higgins game. Yep. And they all seem to be okay with that, knowing that Joe's going to put the ball where it, it, it should go based on the coverage. Yeah, I, I think that they're so unselfish. And that's rare. I mean, T. Higgins just yeah. 24. Jamar's 22. But they're all, they're both going to get huge, huge contracts. And, and you'd want the ball when you're this ascending talent. And, and, by the way, Tyler Boyd goes under the radar, had one catch last week. He's a guy that, it, it, you know, you expect, hey, I, I'm the veteran in the room. Give me more yeah. targets. And, and you don't hear it from any of these guys. Hayden Hurst as well. You know, there's been some Hayden Hurst games where he's had six, seven catches. Last yep. week, you're right. He had, uh, you know, some big plays. Obviously, the touchdown stands out the most. These guys are just really unselfish, and they're, you know, Joe Mixon is another example. They haven't ran the ball great this year, but he's 
kept a, a really good attitude, and last week it got rewar- rewarded. He averaged over five yards a carry. The offensive line was able to get some real push, and he had some success. Uh, but none of these guys have complained, and I think that's really, really rare. And I think it starts with Joe, because Joe isn't going to, to throw the ball where or to a guy just because that guy complains. So I don't think anyone complains. Everyone knows that he's going to make the decision that he thinks is best. And if you do that and you're consistent with it, well, then you can live with it because more times than not, Joe's going to be right. Yeah, and you'd be ready because it could be the big moment is the one where the ball does go your way. Uh, let's talk yeah. about that line because that was one of the things that people were really concerned about, right? And now you're going against a, a Chiefs team that doesn't have a lot of household names, but Chris Jones is very good, Frank Clark up front. What's the state of that line in terms of you know who's going to be out there? And then what did you think of their performance last week against the Bills? Yeah, they're going to be without Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams again this week. And so three starters down, Lyle Collins out for the season. Kappa yep. and Williams, I think they'd have a shot if they advance to, to play in Super Bowl 57. Uh, so that means it's going to be Jackson Carmen at left tackle, Cordell Volson and Ted Karras at left guard and center. And, and both of those guys have started every game this year. Yep. And then at, at right guard, you'll see Max Sharping for a third straight start in Akeem Adeniji at right tackle. They played great last week. And I was shocked. I, I didn't think they'd be able to get that push on the ground which made life much, much easier for Burrow, and he's not used to that, you know, and so they got out to a lead. He had time and was only sacked once. I don't think that's going to be the case this week. I think they're going to be tested much more, but if you can contain Chris Jones, I think you have a good shot to uh, to move the ball up and down the field against the Chiefs. James, you know, the we talk, I talked to people from the Cincinnati side of it, people from the Kansas City side of it, and it's interesting no matter what side most people feel like that Cincinnati's the better team and the expectation is to go down to Kansas City and win. Um, and, and they've won. This would be their fourth consecutive. In all three of those games, Kansas City had a lead, sometimes big leads. They always had a lead going into the fourth. Uh, in order for that to happen, it would have to be another loss for Mahomes at Arrowhead with Reed. And I just keep – in the like, I think Cincinnati appears to be the best team too. But in the back of my head, I keep thinking, really? Is Mahomes really going to lose yeah. four straight to this team? Like, that just – that's there. Like, where are you as you head down there uh, for the game on Sunday? Where's your head on how this thing goes? I agree with you. That was kind of my logic going into that early December game, that Week 13 game. It's, all right, are you really going to beat them three times in a year, like in 11 months? Like, that's – it's still Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey. And, you know, the Chiefs leading up to that game were clearly out for revenge and made that known. And the Bengals, they won the game, but they left points on the field. They had this little yeah. end around to Trent Taylor on fourth down where on the goal line where if you call any other play, you probably pick up the first down or you maybe score. And, uh, you, you know, so I, I think that they, Tyler Boyd had a, a drop touchdown in that game too, I believe. So they left points out there, still found a way to win. I think that they are the better team. But Arrowhead, that crowd, it's the loudest stadium I've ever been in. That's tough. The, the offensive line issues, it's one thing to, to get out to a lead against the Bills and not have to communicate as much because they, or, or not have as many communication issues because the crowd isn't as loud because you have a 14 nothing lead early in the first quarter. Uh, much different when Arrowhead's going crazy. And so I think getting off to a start, a good start, which they haven't really done, uh, certainly didn't do last year in the AFC title game, uh, is big for this team. I, I'm leaning Bengals, but I think it's going to be a really close game and I expect Patrick Mahomes. I know there's a lot of talk about his ankle. I just expect him to play at a really high level because it's yeah. still Patrick Mahomes. If you look at Burrow's stats, 
three straight under 250, five of the last six under 250. Is that, you know, he has a 375 against New England, but that was a game he threw two picks, uh, and they win 22-18, to 18, which is wild when he throw for 375-3 and three to have 22 points only in the game. Is that something that has been by design? Is that something that you would imagine would have to change if you want to go beat Kansas City? In the Kansas City game, when they won 27-24, he goes 80%, 25 of 31, 286 and 2. Uh, what's kind of Do you read anything into that, or is that just winter football, tough opponents in the Baltimore Ravens, tough opponent, obviously, in the snow against Buffalo? Well, I think they got, up to, to such, got out to such a lead, and they were in control against Buffalo. I mean, he started nine for nine for 105, and yep. was throwing it all over. And they were like, "Ah, we can actually." And this is so weird to say because I thought going into that game it was going to be so tight, probably the surprise of the playoffs for me the, uh, to this point that it was such a one-sided game. But the fact that they they were in control and the defense was playing as well as they they were, I think they dialed it back and they leaned on that run game. He could have thrown for 300 last week, and so yeah, they're certainly built. If, if it does need to be a shootout and it is going to go that route, uh, you know, they, they're still confident in throwing it around. And I, I think they're going to throw it early, but they certainly hope that, that Joe Mixon and this offensive line can get some push in the run game. James, great stuff, man. Thanks for yeah. your time today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, that's James Rapine joining us uh, on the road on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of the Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. When they, like last week against Buffalo, they did this. When they get leads, like they just salt it. Like they just snap it with two seconds. Like they just, they burn it. They burn clock. Like it's, and they've been able to get Mixon going. That's a huge part of this. Is they've been able to get him going. But it's mostly been second half for Mixon. He still threw it 36 times. Yeah. He threw it against Baltimore 42 for... 215 yards, 39 against Tampa for 200 yards. I mean, and then early in the year, you'd be like 37, 300 yards, 42, 481, 39, yeah. 355. So it's just interesting. But his career for the Chiefs, 28 of 35 is his average game against the Chiefs. 28 of 35, 366 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, feels pretty good. That feels pretty good. Yeah, yep. feels pretty good. We'll pick it later. Um, but it's funny. I, I meant what I said to James. Like, everybody I've talked to, morning or afternoon, it's Cincinnati, 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 Cincinnati. And that's why. Both, and that's why I can't possibly choose the one in front of me. Yeah. It feels like it's too much of a foregone conclusion. Yeah. It's a very good football team. And that's a pick em, a game that's a pick em. Yeah. Or that's, it's, it's vacillated. It was one and a half to two and a half to pick. I don't know where it is today. Um, but, yeah, it just – there's so much pressure on the Kansas City side of it. But now I feel like there's a lot of pressure on the Bengals. They're almost being treated like a favorite. They lost the Super Bowl last year. I think it's Kansas City. I think it's at home. It's five straight AFC championship games. It's yeah. just the one Super Bowl. Win. You know, there's kind of a Braves feel to it. The nineties Braves. So they went so to, many at bats, you know. But they they went to two. They went to two, one and lost. And one one. Yeah. Yeah. But this would be two straight. I mean, you'd you'd start to lose the mystique of Arrowhead. If you lose this game, yeah. There's a yeah. lot online for both of these teams. Well if Eddie, you're in the you're gonna play to win the super go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But like it does feel like to me it feels like it, there's more on Kansas City and with with everything at play there. But it's I would be agree great. it it would feel that way to me even more if they were like three or four point favorites. The fact that like they're being spread and treated as though they are the inferior team. Yeah. That does put a little bit of pressure on like the Bengals. In my mind, and the way that they're talking, and they're calling it Burrowhead, like they're do they are doing a lot of talking. They're doing a lot of talking, man. 
which yeah. is maybe because they know they can back it up. Yeah, they have a ton of yeah. It just feels like this is a game that's going to come down to like <clears throat> who makes the critical mistake. Yeah, and it's you know, it hasn't been Burrow in these moments. No, he has he has not done that. Hasn't so. turned it over since uh, week sixteen against New England. Yep. All right, coming up next, our positional breakdowns continue. We do the tight end position coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Brissett takes the snap, back, looking, firing, up in the air, caught, touchdown, David Njoku! Takes the snap, play action fake, got to the right, looking, throwing, Bryant caught it, and he hung on! What a catch as he got drilled, Harrison Bryant on a nine-yard hero catch! The whole tight end room, we have amazing athletes, you know, with Harrison, Farrell, Dyer, you know, so I know they work hard every day they uh, prepare as if they are tight end one so Watson underneath center turns play action fake throws it out caught and Joku at the 10 he's at the five he dives for the pylon touchdown the chief is in the end zone and he slams down that ball on a 13 yard catch and run throws wide open it's Harrison Bryant touchdown Browns Welcome back to Florida, Harrison Bryant, first touchdown on the year. Our whole t- tight end room is extremely talented, as you've seen so far. You know, all, all we really talk about and focus on in our room is just getting better every day, and I think we've all done that and just look to continue to do that. First and ten, takes it, drops to throw, look, pulls it down. Now he's going to run, gets away from one, two, he's got Bryant wide open at the 50, at the 45, across the field, still running, at the 40, at the 39-yard line. Watson bootlegs left, got a man open, it's caught, it jumps. 10, hurdles down on the five-yard line, and out of bounds. Looking back, throws near side, and Joku's wide open. Up the sideline, 25, he hurdles, 20, and he's inside the 20, and he finally goes into the Browns' sideline. We may not win the game, but we win the hurdles. The mindset of a hurdle, I mean, I guess it's just like the spark of the moment, you know. Here's Percent looking, firing, end zone. Oh, what a catch by Joku! Touchdown! What a catch by the Chief! A touchdown! He put it up where only the Chief could get it, and he went up with one hand, only his left hand with the defender draped on him, and stared it in. What a catch by the Chief when you needed it the most. Oh, my goodness, Jim. Yes! Fantastic. As we oh, can our, can uh, continue our off-season positional breakdown at the tight end position. Not now. Now? Yep. Now, now you're on. Now you're on. You're good. Uh, it is the tight end position. All right. There it is. Now I can hear myself. Now you're good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it is, of course, led by the Chief. 58 receptions, 628, uh, just 11. It's hard to believe in 2018 he topped that, but he did. Uh, four touchdowns as well. Uh, Harrison Bryant back as well. 31 receptions, 239, and a touch. Um, I'll tell you what. The Chief had a great year. There's more in there. Oh, yeah. Bigly. Bigly. Bigly, bigly, bigly in that way. And Harrison Bryant, career year, he exceeded his career high in yards by one. His catches by seven. Touchdowns, first time he did not have three touchdowns in a season. But you go to the Chief. Here's the thing. He has an opportunity to really become, and, and I think he was an elite tight end this year. He's one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. 
He 58, 6, 28, and 4 we talked about. But if you really go in and kind of dive into what David Njoku was able to do last year, you got to remember, he missed a few games. He missed three games on the season. And really, you know, you had some bad weather late. Obviously, it affected his stats against New Orleans. But a guy, oh, there he is, the designer, Pode's walking by. What a moment of triumph. Look what at a glory. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And thank he's you. in the original. I mean, this is, what a moment that was. Oh, just delightful. Like the Spider-Man gif. Yeah, really was, yeah. Gorgeous. You know, three touchdowns, all three. He had three of his four touchdowns came uh, in the final six games, two of them in the in the games with uh, with Deshaun Watson. I really think that he has a chance to become one of the preeminent tight ends in the game. And what you saw this year was that stretch right before he got hurt against Pittsburgh, 9 for 89, a touchdown, 5 for 73 against Atlanta, 6 for 88 against Chargers, 3 for 58, 7 for 71 against the Ravens. That's what he can be. He can be a guy that gives you 70 yards every single game. If he does that, yes, he will be over 1,000 yards on the season. Uh, I think that that is certainly within play for him, especially get somebody with some speed, open up the middle of the field even more. But David Njoku, I think, is ready to really ascend to that elite level. And if you still look on a per-game basis, he was top six or seven in every category for tight ends. Yep. So this was a very productive year. It's what you expected after you gave him that contract. And I think even bigger things are on the horizon with a full season of Deshaun Watson and a full season of this offense really starting to, to get into gear uh, as it goes forward. You said something interesting off the top there. You said many interesting things, but this, I, Thank I, you. this one I took note of. You said um, that you really believe he's one of the best uh, tight ends in the league, yeah. all around tight ends in the league. Uh, is it essential that he is based on the way our roster is constructed? Because I think it might be. Yeah. I think he needs to be, I'm not saying Kelsey, but the next, the step below that, that is probably required based on the way our roster is put together. If he can give you, you know, he's got to be around a thousand yards in that vicinity. It depends on who this new receiver is. Right. But it, we know that's going to be hard. Yes. I mean, that, let's just, let's put all the cards on the table. You don't have a first-round pick. You have tremendous need at defensive line and at speed receiver. Yep, it, that's going to be hard to come by. So you're going to—it's probably going to be somebody drafted in the later rounds. It could be a free agent, but you never know how that's all going to shake out. Um, he's kind of. Here's one thing. You know what I mean? We were at—we threw for 3,710 yards this year. Okay, 3,710. My guess on a conservative estimate is with a full season of Deshaun Watson, we're going to be throwing for, we'll call it conservative, 4,300 yards. Let's call it that. Is that fair to you? Yeah. On a conservative It's probably more well, than me, that. I just want, I'm with the 17 game, like on a 16 game, I always had a good That's feel. That's 252 the, yards a game. We'll probably be above that. Yeah, I think we'll be above that. Let, let's see where the, um, let me just see where the leaders were this year in yards. Um, just I'm going to do an exercise. Brady left it. You continue the exercise. Just for the Chiefs. Brady was at 52.50. Yeah. So I mean that's absurd. How many people like, were? Herbert was 47. Uh, no, Mahomes was 52.50. Brady was 46.94. Um, 40 Cousins was 4,500. Right. Okay. So that feels about okay. So somewhere in there. Burrow was 4,500. Okay. Let's just say it's 4,500. Yep. Okay. 4,500. And this year we were 3710. So 3710 divided by 4500 is 82.82. 82%. So we have a ton of room to grow. And I'll do it the other way, which would be 4500 divided by 3710. 
which equals 1.2, and then just multiply that by the Chiefs' number. So if the Chief just does his exact same share in that offense, you know, he's up, we're now at 800 yards. That's in yeah. 14 games. Now, if you were to do that in, oh, Jay, walk Great like Jay. an Egyptian. He's excited. If you take what the Chief did last year over, yep. over this is what I'm going to do, so 628. Basically, 1,000 yards is very much within the realm of possibility. Seven, well, I think he needs a bigger share. Is what I'm saying. I, so, th- I think it's important that he actually grows. Even at the same share, if he played 17 games yeah. in what we're talking about next year, it'd be 930. So if he increases, that's what I has, necessary. which I think is necessary, and I think likely, yeah, a thousand yards is absolutely uh, in the realm of possibility for him. And as as are, in my opinion, you know, seven, eight touchdowns. But he also is what he does as a blocker. If he can give you Dallas Goddard. If he can give you even what Dalton Schultz has been of late for the Dallas Cowboys yep. through the air and then be the blocker that he is on top of that, that's going to be a pretty incredible situation for the Cleveland Browns. And I don't see why he cannot do that. I think he yeah. is very capable of doing that. I agree. And I, I do think that it's I think it's going to be because it, it is going to be tough to find what ails you at the receiver spot. Pick it, you're not going to you need somebody to fall into your lap. In the second or third round, or you sure. need to discover somebody there. It's hard to find those. Or you're gonna have to get like a DJ Chark, and he, sure. he's somebody who can do it. To be a reasonably priced free agent. Um, the thing is, you need Chief to be all that because Harrison Bryant is kind of in the same range all the time. Now, more opportunities, you would say maybe he can do more. But if we were to go ahead and quickly zoom in on Harrison Bryant's season this year. In the games that David Njoku missed, you'd say to yourself, oh, well, then that means he's going to really, you know, kind of blow up. Well, the first game he missed against Cincinnati, we went 32-13. He doesn't catch a pass. Miami, three catches for 15 yards. Buffalo, four catches for 41 yards. So that didn't manifest itself that way. I think that you would like to maybe mid-round draft a tight end. I think Zaire Mitchell-Payton, who's certainly here uh, in your reserve future deal, they think he can be a blocking tight end, what Farrell Brown was for the team. You could always bring Farrell Brown back. He's an unrestricted free agent uh, who's Zaire more of a Zaire Mitchell-Payton was the basketball player at Texas Tech. Yeah, he's, and he's, yes, big physical yeah. specimen yep. guy. Uh, Jesse James, who's been in the league for eight years. You know, he's still here. I see him all the time here rehabbing. Uh, but, yeah, it's about Chief. If this room's going to be elite, Chief needs to give you elite production. There's nobody else here that is going to do that for you. Harrison Bryant is an, a good player, uh, a solid role player. You probably need to add one more solid role player, either in the draft or free agency, to round out the room and, and see if Zaire Mitchell Payton can take a step because physically he's exactly what you want. I mean, he's a big, strong man. Yeah, Harrison Bryant's been more productive than than we were, we did the receiver room uh, yesterday and the. The receiver room, when we we're talking about Bell and we we're talking about Schwartz and we we're talking about those guys, like Harrison Bryant's been more productive, but it also feels like the time to make an impact is running a bit thin in terms of consistent impact. Like, I think the hope was that he'd be a little further along and be able to have contributed more the last, certainly this year, um, than, than maybe what happened. And some of that's the product of the situation you were in with the quarterback switch and everything sure. else. Sure. I mean, he only got 42 targets, you know, so in. He caught 74% of his targets. He had one of the highest catch rates on the team. Uh, Only Kareem Hunt had a higher catch rate than him of people who were targeted on a regular basis. Um, So he did a good job from that respect. Chief, by the way, was great this year, 72.5%. He just limited opportunities. I think he's just a little bit limited in terms of his explosiveness as an athlete, all of those things. Um, He's improved as a blocker. But yeah... you don't want him to have big numbers because you want David Njoku to have huge numbers. And quite yeah. frankly, we're going to go more towards 
I think, being an 11 personnel base team. Yeah. With Deshaun Watson. So it's not as important, but it's nice. Harrison Bryant gives you good depth. And that's why I said you, you can maybe you can get away with maybe even two tight ends on the 53 and one on the practice squad this year when you're doing roster creation, because I think we'll be constructed differently. The days of needing three and four tight ends, I think, are, are over. You might have a play here or a play there where you do that, but it's not going to certainly be a huge part of what we do. I don't think it'll be as big a part as what we do as it was in recent memory. Nope, doesn't seem so. Uh, Gibby wants to know, what was the most impressive change you saw from David Njoku from last season to this? That's easy for me, and it has nothing to do with on the field, where he was excellent, uh, but we've seen his potential for years. To me, it was his leadership. I thought the words that he spoke, yeah. uh, the way that he he is – he lives the accountability that I think this organization strives for. And I think if more people had the mindset that David Njoku has and approached things the way that he does, I think this team would have been in a better place this year than it was. I love that leadership. I love that he said, this is on us. Yep. If you don't like the results, like work harder or be better. Period. Love that. Love the Chief. He, it's, it's so interesting how he approached the contract that he was given as a way of Watch me justify this. Yes. On and off the field. Yes. Which was refreshing. Um, and, because you always see that in a professional athlete. You don't usually, sometimes that happens and it's, it's a chill. That, is, that wasn't here, man. Chief got, got compensated like a big time tight end. And he said, watch me earn this on and off the field and became a real team leader. Which is why I believe in his ability to yeah, be great. Because physically he's got tremendous gifts, but he's got the right mindset. There are people in this league who get paid and are like, I made it, and then they coast. Then there are other people in this league who get paid and then have what I would call somewhat of a mental crisis. Yeah. Where it's, oh man, I, I, they, they said I'm this good. Like, am I this good? Yep. Oh, now they're talking bad about me, I, but I, I got paid. And so it, it almost has them sh like a shrinking violet Agreed. shrink from the competition, whereas David Njoku took it head on. And, and I think of that, if, if you can, you know, somehow kind of get into, and I know that these organizations do that, the way that Nick Chubb did. Nick Chubb gets paid and is like, I'm going to work harder and not be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid of what this status says about me. I'm going to live it. And I think that's an important thing. Yeah. And he will. Um, in terms of what this room could look like, it, it will. It speaks to the change going to yeah. much more shotgun, much more eleven versus what we've been up until this point. Yeah, so, we'll still have under we'll center. I think we'll still do two tight end sets, but for the most part, you want to put you know your quarterback in the most advantageous positions. I think part of that is going to be combining the super structured nature of our offense and the timing and rhythm with those layups, and also marrying that with just giving him plays and letting him be a playmaker. Absolutely. All right. We will uh, take a deep dive on the NFC championship game. Uh, we will uh, figure out. This is a good one, too, man. Niners and Eagles. There's a lot in this one. We'll get you set for that one coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Time to head out on the Twisted Tea hotline brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea, an official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. We are joined by 49ers reporter on the NBC Sports Bay Area. Jennifer LeChan joins us. 
Jennifer, thank you so much. Uh, let's just start with the Purdy. I mean, this is uh, just one of the most rock. remarkable stories uh, in the league. Before he started playing, were there any whispers out of Niners camp of what he was capable of, or did this hit everybody like a ton of bricks? You know, I think it hit everybody outside the building like a ton of bricks, but everybody inside the building saw what he was doing during training camp and the limited amount of snaps that he got throughout the season before he was the starter. It showed them what he was capable of doing. Now, he ran the the scout team offense going against the number one defense in the league, arguably, since he since the, Trey Lance got hurt in week two. So, you know, he's been going up against Fred Warner and Nick Bosa in practice. So he knows what a top defense can do, and they were not surprised when he stepped into the spotlight that he's performed the way he has. It's not something they say are not surprised about it, but we're talking about a guy who's played the best football of any quarterback in the NFL since he took over, hasn't lost a game. It'd be one thing if he was like, okay, he did some good things and it was okay and you know we were able to overcome it, but the fact that they've won some games because of his play, his ability to deliver on third and longs, I mean... It, Maybe they knew, but if they knew, he probably should have been playing over Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance from the rip. Yeah, I mean, they didn't know how good he would be, you know, throughout the, as many games as he's won. But I think they knew that he had the potential to play very well. He's got great pocket awareness. He's one of those guys who's very calm and is very yes. rarely ruffled. So, I mean, I think that says a lot for, you know, his preparation. I think a big part of it is that he was a four-year starter at Iowa State. So he has experience. It's not like, you know... He only had one year uh, under center, so that all that experience has really paid off. And a guy, you know, who's been told over and over and over again that he's too short, that he doesn't have enough arm strength, those things, you know, sit in a guy, the back of a guy's head. And I think it really has affected how diligent he is in his work ethic, and that is shown on the field. Is this the best job Kyle's done out there this season with everything? You know, I think part of it is execution, which, of course, falls on the quarterback, you know, on the coaches. But um, he's also had the most weapons. You look at what, ha you know, what has happened since Christian McCaffrey joined the team. Really what McCaffrey has done is what I think they wanted Jarek McKinnon to be when they first got to Santa Clara. You know, a running back that can really run great routes. And you look at how Jarek McKinnon is, you know, thriving now. That's what they wanted to have him do when he was with the 49ers. Now they have it in Christian McCaffrey, and he's really opened up the offense. You look at how many star players are around Brock Purdy, and that I think also helps him in his performance. All right, let's talk about the big acquisition midseason, Christian McCaffrey. What has he meant to this offense and, and just kind of that's helped Brock Purdy, as does Kittle, as does Debo, as does Ayuk, and, and a great offensive line. But Christian McCaffrey, it feels like, really is the engine right now of the 49ers on offense. He is. He is, you know, you you see him in the locker room. He's very serious. He doesn't joke around much. He, you know, is – uh, just a workhorse, and I think one of the things that happened when Christian McCaffrey came into the building is that he was trying to learn Kyle Shanahan's playbook, and the guy who worked with him to get better at it, to recognize hearing the plays in the huddle, was Brock Purdy. So those two have been working together since Christian McCaffrey entered the building. McCaffrey likes to learn the plays by hearing it as opposed to just reading it. So the two of them would, you know, work after practice. Brock would you know, recite the plays to him as if they were in the huddle together and then go through things on air. And both, you know, both of them, I think, benefited greatly from that. And it's really built the chemistry from the get-go for those two players. 
Yeah, it's and it's it's interesting too. Like you mentioned this, and the McCaffrey's part of that too. But Debo and Kittle and Ayuk. I mean, there's they have so many things, so many toys for for Kyle to play with. Almost it seems they do so many inventive things every snap, every series. If something different is in there, new wrinkles. Uh, just from your perspective, is it's got to be fun uh, covering this team because it feels like every time out you see something you haven't seen before. Yeah, Kyle does keep it very interesting. He's very, very creative, and it's all based on the matchups that they're going to get on defense. So what you see one week is completely different from what you see the next. So with the Eagles defense and the Cowboys defense being very, very different, he's going to have different things schemed up for sure. Uh, I think what's been most interesting throughout the course of the season and the postseason, how they come out of the halftime out of the break and how they reevaluate what they're doing and the script that they go through at the beginning of the half for that first offensive drive really kind of shows how he can manipulate an opposing defense, how they came out of the, uh, the break going up against the Cowboys. You know, they went from outside zone to inside because they weren't getting a lot of yards and the way he's able to create space and, and manipulate the opposing defense is really remarkable. Is George Kittle as fun to, to cover as it appears that he would be? <laughs> He's definitely one of the biggest personalities on the team. He's lots of fun. Uh, I've been, you know, covering George since he was a rookie, and it's been fun to see him develop. And it, just looking at what he does on the field, I mean, just from the bobbling catches to not being able to be tackled if you know by one guy, usually it has to take two, sometimes three, sometimes four guys to bring him down. His spirit and his you know excitement for the game is something that I think is contagious and it helps the offense it helps the defense he's one of those motivating factors on the entire team you know and the other thing about him that I noticed this in the post game uh over the loss uh, with the win over Dallas where they're doing the national post game I think it was Aaron Andrews on it I can't recall but it was whoever it was doing the interview and and Purdy was you know you could tell like he was pretty wide-eyed and and there's a lot that he's taken in at once. And it felt like Kittle almost is a security blanket on and off the field for Purdy and really this entire offense. Is that, is that true? That perception? I think it's the entire offense. You look at how they're built and there's a lot of veteran experience. I mean, it's pretty incredible that guys like, you know, Debo Samuel, three NFC championship games in four years. And, you know, veterans like Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. I mean, those guys have really helped lift Brock Purdy up. Granted, he's absolutely capable of doing it on his own because he is so, you know, wired like a professional. But I think having that group around him makes it so much easier for a rookie. We haven't even talked about the defense, yeah, which is good. also elite, led by Nick Bosa up front, maybe the best linebacker combo in the league, and then they've been getting it done on the back end as well. Uh, this defense, you know, where does it rank for you among some of the recent Niners defenses and, and just how good are they and what do they need to do to try to slow down the Philadelphia Eagles? I think uh, when they played the Raiders in week 17, that was a huge wake-up call for them. Jared Stidham ran on them and four first downs. I think it really surprised them and it was kind of good for that group to face a little adversity before heading into the postseason. Uh, they've been much better about keeping their rush lanes clean, and they've been more disciplined going forward. And, you know, you look at Nick Bosa, I mean, you can't ask for a more skilled pass rusher. He is, you know, 
not only wires up that defensive line, but he's also incredibly physically fit. I mean, he played all but like three or four snaps in that last game versus the Cowboys, which you don't normally yeah. see from an edge rusher. Uh, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are, you know, just ridiculously talented. Fred Warner, I think, in coverage doesn't get enough credit. He was, you know, he the the pass play on third down to C.D. Lamb where he was on the complete other side of the field and then ran across the field to cover him and prevent a conversion. I mean, for a guy that big, he shouldn't be able to run that fast. So you look at the talent there, and then in the secondary, as long as the passer is just keeping it, you know, pressure on the quarterback, they don't have to cover as long. Uh, the guys back there have been doing a really good job. D'Amador Lenore has started to kind of blossom. He got two picks in the postseason so far. So they're really pretty solid across all three levels. They are. And I saw a clip of Bosa mic'd up. He's just like, man, getting to the quarterback's hard. Yeah, I like to get sacked. He's great. He just seems like such a just chill guy for yeah. somebody who is relentless and, and violent and physical on the field. It sounds like there's a lot of contrasting personalities in that locker room. That is. He, I actually uh, talked to him about one of his interviews that I had listened to, and I was like, you're hilarious on radio. He's like, eh, it's yeah, it's my shtick. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's his personality. He's very mellow. You know, I think he saves all of his energy for what he has to do on the field. Uh, one of his best kind of answers to us in press conferences this year is, you know, I'm just a hermit. It's like, you know, he does his thing at the facility. He goes home. He puts himself up on the couch, he watches some shows, and then he goes to sleep, and then he gets up at, in the morning and goes back to work. So, I mean, like, he really does not have a social life, and I think he's fine with that. You know, I think the biggest goal is getting to the Super Bowl and winning one. So, I mean, you know, hey, the sacrifice is worth it. You know, the thing that is so interesting about this matchup with Philly is uh, these two teams have are capable of winning whatever style of fight you want. Like, both these teams have proven they can score in the 30s, approaching 40. They both prove that they can win games in the teens. You've observed this Niners team up close and personal. What type of style of fight do you think we're going to get on Sunday? I think the big one's going to be in the trenches for both sides. The offensive yeah. line, defensive line, both sides are really well matched, and they're very talented. So, you know, who's going to be able to eke out more yards? And really, I think who makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win the game. If, you know, like watching the Niners play the Cowboys, and Dak Prescott threw two picks. So, if, you know, any mistake I think is going to be a huge factor and affect the game. Um, so they've got to play clean ball on both sides, but really in the trenches, that's where it's going to happen. As always, I mean, I always believe that's where it starts. Uh, if they can keep Brock pretty clean, Hassan Reddick is so good at getting around the corner. So if they can stop him or at least slow him down, keep the pocket clean, I think they've got a good chance. All right, I got to go back one week. I grew up in the Bay Area, full disclosure. Huge 49ers fan. Okay. Niners Cowboys was that's like my eighth grade into early high school. Graduated in '96, <laughs> so saw the Steve Young title. But it was a Joe Montana guy. I want to be clear about that. What was that environment <laughs> like? Because for me, watching it, the mo beautiful uniform combination, Jerry Rice, all the Niners legends, Charles Haley, Merton Hanks walking around. What was it like on the field before that game? And I'm bummed that this game's in Philly. Obviously, it would be cool to have it, you know, there. But to have a Niners Cowboys playoff game of that level of importance in the Bay Area with all those legends there. What was it like for somebody who would just eat that up like I would? 
chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many people on the field pregame. I was like, how do we have this many field passes for all these people? But it was incredibly fun, tons of energy. And, yeah, Joe Montana walking down the field. Jerry Rice is kind of a a normal feature at most games. But, yeah, it was quite a a scene. Uh, I got to see several players like Patrick Willis was there. A lot of guys from that, you know, that Harbaugh era, Ian Williams, um, so Deshaun Goldson, of course, on NBC Sports Bear, we have Dante Whitner on our team. So, yeah, it was it yeah. was a lot of fun. And that, um, yeah, Charles Haley, of course, you know, you, the one that got away from the 49ers. So it was a, it was a fun scene, but it was just, yeah, a little chaotic. <laughs> what is Jerry Rice's necklace like in person? <laughs> <laughs> It's very blingy. <laughs> yeah, looks like it weighs a and it twenty looks like pounds. It weighs about five tons. Yeah, yeah, but he he like he holds it up like it's not too crazy. But yeah, he he's definitely a character. That thing is uh, blinding. We'll say that. Was he running any routes pregame or catching passes? Because last time oh, we were yeah, there on Monday be. Night Football, he was like out there running routes, catching passes before. Unfortunately, on that game, he, the uh, Niners gave yeah, it to he the Browns pretty good. Yeah, I know. He wasn't running rounds, but he does catch a few passes from guys. They'll, you know, they'll toss the ball to him a little bit. But he was, you know, uh, on the field with the wide receivers group, you know, kind of dapping them up, and getting them ready for the game during warmups. So, and then he's like kind of towards the end zone of the, you know, the home side during the game. So yeah, I think when um, Kittle gave him, I think a, a touchdown ball. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with Christian McCaffrey ran in. So he's, he's down by that goalpost. So he's always a fixture at Niners home games. So great. Awesome. So great. Jennifer, we thank you so much for your time. We'll get you out of here on this one. How do you how do you think this thing goes Sunday? I think it comes down to the wire. I think, you know, the guy, Mr. Uh, professional, Robbie Gold, has a huge play in this because I think it's going to be hard for any team to score. So, you know, he's got to be on it as usual, and I expect he will be, but I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, it feel, it does feel like it. Feels like oh, both of them are enjoy great. these. Are, this is it's fun when you cover games like this and atmospheres like the one you're going to have on Sunday. Enjoy it and thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. All right, that's Jennifer Chan. She joins us on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, an official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Coming up next, we go around the NFL uh, scores and over unders still ahead. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today. Best chance of securing tickets for all home games and future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Uh, The Panthers announcing today, making it official. Frank Reich as the new head coach. Uh, The team did announce that. Steve Wilkes was in on that until the very end. Did 6-6 as an interim. Uh, Did a nice job there. They got a great job. Um, it's interesting on Reich because I've seen people say, "Why he's, he was a failure? He's you know he's getting such a quick chance all over again after just being fired in Indy." I mean, honestly, look what he went through in Indy. Well liked, well respected. There's a lot going on. I mean yep. that that's Rivers, Wentz, Ryan, Earth that Senate. ownership, <laughs> and wasn't he hired for luck? 
Yes. Wasn't he? Didn't he? Wasn't it Brissett first? And I believe he got the job after McDaniel's. Right. I believe you're right. McDaniel's was going to do it, and then backed out, and then, and then it became Frank Wright. But he, he was his choice. first year you could was say he was choice number two. I do love that Austin Powers number two. He's not even listening. I know. He would have loved that. He would have loved it was that. So apropos. Yeah, he loved it. Um, but that he was hired. That that was the Andrew Luck year. Yes. And then Luck retired in camp when yes. we were there, and then all of a sudden it's Brissett, Rivers, Wentz. Like that's who he was. Yeah. What he was dealing with there. So uh, we'll see. I that job. It's just a met. Can they figure out something at quarterback? Right. I mean, they're just going to have to figure that out. Uh, Rams have hired former Jets offensive coordinator Mike Lafleur to be their new OC. Makes all the sense in the world. Totally. He was there previously. Yep. So that's a win. He's in. The, that's that's the tree. That's right. That's all in the same Shanahan. Well, that was what made me. That's I, that was my theory on why none of these pe- positions are being hired. There's no but. There's no more fruit on that tree. The McVay Shanahan trees are out of fruit. They've all been hired. So, and D'Amico's going to get a job. It sounds like it's going to be in Houston. Yeah. But it could be Denver. So, so my guess is that that had to be some type of a recommendation from Shanahan or obviously, I mean, it's the same system, same tree. Because uh, they all know each other, though. Like Lafleur would know McVeigh. I mean, that goes all the way back to Washington, right? Yeah, but was so, it McVeigh on that staff with Kyle and his dad? Yes. Yeah, so McVeigh was there, so he would know Kyle through there. Sure. But Mike Lafleur's first job was actually here in 2014 with Kyle. With Kyle as an offensive intern, then he went with Kyle to the Falcons. Uh, and then he went with Kyle to the Niners, and then he went to the Jets as the OC for two seasons, and now he's the Rams OC. But so yeah. I mean, he's it's in, all the same. It's on the same world. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn has decided up potential head coaching jobs to remain in Dallas. Head coach Mike McCarthy confirmed uh, yesterday he fired. They fired six assistants in Dallas, but they're keeping both coordinators, or they're keeping both coaches and coordinator because uh, what's his name? Kellen, Kellen Moore, Moore interviewed in Carolina, but he's staying as offensive coordinator. And Quinn staying as defensive coordinator, but they got rid of six assistants in Dallas. Who? Well, I don't know their whole staff, but there were six of them. I know one of the guys they fired was Leon Lett. Wow. Yeah. Offensive like, line wow. coach Joe Philbin, who I believe was He's been there forever. At, and was a head coach, right? Yeah. Of Miami. Well, and, and with yeah. Green Bay, he was That's true. OC. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, was he here for a hot second, too? Uh, that I don't know. Well, I. I definitely think he was because I remember him talking about like sp- splitting practices up, or maybe they were. He was coaching a team that was here, so he was the Packers assistant offensive line, tight end assistant offensive line, offensive coordinator, Dolphins for uh, three years, head coach, Indianapolis assistant offensive line. Maybe he was like a consultant here one year or something. I don't know. Doesn't say anything. But he was around. I remember. I remember that guy. Maybe he was here with. We did a joint practice with the Colts, and he was here. But I'd definitely been around. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, they get rid of six assistants. Somehow Quinn's, but Quinn stays. Somehow the OC stays. And Kellen Moore stays, and McCarthy stays. But they get rid of a bunch of assistants. But like, which is rare. Usually there's a coordinator. You know. So they got rid of O line coach Joe Philbin, running yeah. back coach Skip Skip Preet. Senior that guy's been there forever. Skip that? Pete? Did you say Skip Pete? Yeah. yeah. That guy has been there forever. And forever. by the way, I would say Tony Pollard was darn good. Yeah. So, and by the way, if you're Dan Quinn, might make sense. None of these jobs are out of this world. No, and if he stays there, there's a good chance he can 
be an interim be the or guy. something. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Steelers president Art Rooney II wouldn't comment on about the possibility of extension of Mike Tomlin during the end-of-the-year press conference with media members. He said, quote, I don't like to speculate on coach's contract. We'll see. Um, I can see no scenario where he does not continue as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I guess he was hesitant. Someone asked him about a contract extension. And well, the we'll see is new for them. Usually yeah. they don't. Yeah. You know, the we'll yeah. see part is, is there. Um, huh. Yeah. Skip Pete, by the way, has been a running back coach in the NFL since 1998. That's a long time. Raiders, 898 to 2006. Cowboys, first stint, 2007-2012. Bears, 13-14. Rams, 16-19. to So that would have been like peak Todd Gurley. Yeah. And then back to the Cowboys, 20-22. to It, it makes Brother no rhyme or reason Pete. why huh. they got rid of who they got rid of. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they just felt like they had to fire somebody. Yeah. But they didn't want to fire the head, and they didn't want to fire the coordinator. Like, you went to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Had a chance to win on the road. Yeah. Florio saying, could the conference championships become a Sunday-Monday event? No. Stupid. Well, whether or not you want it to be. It's just stupid. No! Like, and I'll tell you what else you should do. If you truly wanted to do what's right here, it should be championship Saturday. Play these on Saturday. Or, or one Saturday, one Sunday. Why why make us stack into seven hours of sustained football? Here's what you got to do. Do one, at, do one Saturday night at 8 and do the other one Sunday at 6.30. Perfect. Problem solved. Then I can both nights are accounted for. Come on. How about this? Let me throw this at you. Super Bowl should be on Saturday, by the way. If, or Monday should be a holiday. Or Monday's a holiday. There one of the go. two. You sort it out, however you want to do it. Fine. WWE's doing that, by the way. The Royal Rumble, for example, is this Saturday. Yeah. It's not Sunday anymore. Good. It's Saturday. Um, so here was my idea. Now, the one wrench that's thrown into it is in super wild card now. You have a Monday game. But Saturday should be the day of the NFC. Sunday should be the day of the NFC, AFC. Because that's Fine. the only way that you could keep it so that everybody Fine. has the same yeah. rest. So the Fair, divisional perfect, round. Perfect. Every divisional round game, NFC Saturday. Yep, and then you get to see make who's going to be in the championship game. Then Sunday, yep. same for the AFC. And then you go Saturday, Sunday. The only, as I said, the only hard part would be how you deal with that extra game on Monday night because you wouldn't have, go from a Monday to a Saturday. You couldn't do that. So they would have, have to be, be an AFC, AFC every but time. There's going to be one AFC team that's disadvantaged. You're going to want an a- okay, but you're going to be you're going to want to be at in. I mean, that's that's from a TV perspective. That's always going to be a good match. I mean, it's it's a it's going to be a great game. Yeah. So yeah, I just that's it. Don't go to Monday. No, no one needs absolutely it. not. Stop it. Nobody needs it. Go Stop. to Saturday night. Stop. I don't know what the infatuation is. College football is determined to play the national championship. That's at, so college that's at a necessity because college football does not want to go up against the NFL. So that time of year, they go Monday night because the NFL stays away from Monday night. Do it on Friday night. And that's the only way. Well, that's dead. You know that. Come from on. From a rating standpoint, you can't do Friday Can't do night. that. But you could do if, if – I believe Ohio State they could do Saturday championship on a Friday. On a New Year's Eve, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. No, no, no. It, uh, Trestle, when he beat Miami, was on a Friday night. Oh, I defiled myself. Don't worry. I'm aware. <laughs> Springfield, Illinois. Man, really? Yeah, it was on a Friday night. Yeah. I, I don't recall the date. I remember watching it vividly. I was in Florida at the time, but I, remember, I do remember watching it vividly, but I don't recall uh, the day of the week uh, that it was. Um, this uh, this is a, a Happy Trails, posthumous happy, happy Trails. Legendary college basketball analyst Billy Packer died yesterday at 82. Um, so just a couple of moments on this, fellas. When, for me growing up, college basketball was 
the most important thing that I consumed. Agreed. It wasn't, it, it's odd. Like people think it's crazy now. You say it now, but it was not the NFL. It was not even the NBA. It was, it was college basketball. College hoops. Like college hoops from the, the middle of the 80s through the middle of the 90s was extraordinary. It's the golden age. It was the golden age. Yeah. It was a. Those teams would smoke these teams. Like smoke. The best play. Shaquille O'Neal played three years at LSU. Yeah. So everything that we have in the NFL with the college NFL marriage, this this you absolute ultimate uh, minor league that sends you ready-made stars, you had in basketball. You had ready-made stars walking onto NBA teams ready to be dudes who were known, who were, who were grown men, quite frankly, in the case of Larry Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, and others. Um, and so Jamison Carter, oh my God, the there were so many for years. Ron Mercer, Antoine Walker, those guys were both. Th they were three-year guys. I mean, those yes. guys were all three-year guys. Grant Hill played four years at Duke. Yes, four years. Like that, this was the norm. And so Packer was the voice of it. Yeah. And as a kid, I couldn't stand him because he was pretty arrogant and pretty glasses half empty and very critical. His style was very critical. Yeah. Um, and, and it was something that as a kid bugged me, but as I got older, I grew to appreciate. And he also, in addition to his CBS duties, he would do if, I don't even know if you guys, if this was available to you guys here, but there was the ACC tournament used to be on a, a network called Jefferson pilot. Okay. Okay. So in the South, it was on this network called Jefferson pilot and Jefferson pilot broadcast ACC regular season games during the year. Billy Packer would call those games. So while ESPN's feed of the ACC, they, two networks did it. ESPN did the feed, and that was done by, like, Dickie V and whoever he was, Mike Patrick probably. Mike Patrick, Dan Shulman, yeah, one of those two. those guys. ACC feed was Billy Packer, yep. and that was on Jefferson Pilot. And he called the ACC tournament forever. And I got to meet him a couple of times when I was down there in, around ACC tournaments and stuff, and he was great. Really was great. And his son Mark, who does radio down in the South, awesome guy. Um, he was, as he was a, you do every Final Four, you're involved with every Final Four from 1975 to 2008. Yeah, that's legacy. Oh yeah, absolutely iconic, and and it's, it, yes, very much the formative. And it's funny you got two Billies, right? You had Packer and Raftery were the kiss. But well, Raftery was, was CBS too, and he yeah. but he would always have to bow out at the Elite Eight because Final was, Four was Jim Nance and Billy, Billy Packer. Packer. Yeah. That was it. I mean, Sean McMahon has said it well. He was synonymous with college basketball for more than three decades and yeah. set the standard of excellence as the voice of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Yeah, Nance, no doubt. Nance was on Good Morning America. Uh, and Talking about it. Almost broke down a couple times. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it hit him pretty hard. You could, you could tell. Well, he was – you know, he was not without controversy, and he no. was pushed out in 08, yeah. um, which he he passed at 82. So, you know, he was he was pushed out still at, what, he was 67, 68? Yeah, 68. Yeah. So, I mean, that's still an age where he could have kept doing it, you know, but they, they did push him out. And then, you know, one of the all-time great guys, Clark Kellogg, stepped into that seat Clark, and, yep. and crushed it, and now he's really instrumental in the halftime stuff and the pregame stuff that they do, but it's it's now Raftery and Grant Hill and Nance. And this is Nance's last one. That's this right. year is Nance's last one. He's done uh after this year. But that I it made me it made me think about what that sport was 
And I am a little fearful that college football could follow a similar path with where things are going right now in college football. They just got to keep the kids there. That's it. And that's I'm always, it. I was always surprised that th- that's a big part of it. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, transient nature in college football coming with the free transfer and all of that. But I was always surprised that the NBA didn't look at what the NFL did and copy it and do the three and out thing. I know that the players didn't want it because, you know, you want to get on that first contract and make that money as fast as you can to prolong the career. And you don't want to work for free, which is, you know, what college is. But holy cow, from the from the standpoint of the league, the NFL holding firm on three years is one of the most important decisions this league ever made. Yep. You draft. I mean, you think about when we drafted Johnny or Baker, like they were stars upon drafting. You don't have to grow them into stars. They already were. Yep. It's a big part of the success of this league is that you're drafting known commodities. So it's uh it's it's amazing what's happened to that sport. But he was for me as a kid, he was the vo- he was one of the voices that were synonymous with something that meant the most. Um, Eighty two. All right, coming up next, we'll hit some over unders. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon, to Ohio, on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns, the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today, BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Time for a little over-under game, gentlemen, as we head into championship weekend. I think it is safe to say we've crowned a champion here. That brings me great joy to hear you say that. <laughs> uh, it's not close. It's, it's not a, it's not locked, but it, it would be difficult okay. at this point. Where so, are we? Uh, last week, the Huff finally got off the schneid after like a 1-14 stretch. Huff went 3-2. and two. His overall record is 46-49. and 49. Oof. Not great for the Huff. Uh, Gibbe, a little bit of a down week for Gibbe. Gibbe went 1-4 for an overall record of 48-47. and 47. And... Zagura two and three last week, but an overall of fifty-two and forty-three. So a four-game lead over Gibbe heading into the last and eight stanzas. I gotta keep trying hard because I only have a two-game lead on Hoff. It's just a matter of I always had. In fact, you remember there was a, a clothing maker called No Fear. Yeah, there was a shirt that I had that said second place is the first loser." That's right. So forget the Hoff, Gibbe. It doesn't matter if you're second or third. If you ain't no, no, first, no, no, you're last. This allows me to go put post-it notes on his Hall of Fame bust <laughs> down in Canton. You bet you'd get me in there. You get arrested. Yeah. Hey, did you guys see the USFL is going to play games in Canton? Yes. The Pittsburgh team and the Jersey team are playing in Canton. Which, yeah, the USFL is they're going four markets, like Birmingham, Memphis, Canton, and yeah, Detroit. Yeah. Two teams in each, and the Canton location. Like, why wouldn't you just make them the, an Ohio team? So Pittsburgh and New Jersey are playing out of Canton. Uh, is it just Why one not just game? call is them a, a couple games? No, no, the whole season. Oh, really? Is playing out of Canton. So then they're not Pittsburgh. No, they're not Pittsburgh. They're, they're Canton. Be, they're Canton or the Ohio or whatever. Like, oh, just call them the Ohio Maulers or whatever. Like, why would the you? The Midwest Maulers. Done. Sold. You've just done it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right, gentlemen, you ready for championship? All right, so hold on. Just I want to okay. check out one thing. Be yep. clear on one thing. So we have ten 
We have ten of these left. Ten left, and Zagura has a four you game went lead. Five hundred for the. We're not there yet. We're not. So I'm just saying. I'm just. I want to be prepared. I'm just the yeah. week before, and yeah. then this week. Yes. Okay. Even so you're Steven. Yeah, and I'm one up. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks for doing your pre-show Two. homework. Two up. Good job. Two up. All right. Sorry. Um. All right. Here we go. Time for over under. Next. Over or under. Uh, Zagura, we start with you. Yep. Passing yardage. We're looking for passing yardage. Patrick Mahomes plus Brock Purdy. I, I knew that's what you were doing. Over or under Burrow and Hurts. Mahomes and Purdy, Burrow and Hurts. Give me Burrow and Hurts. Under. Give it. Damn you. Burrow and Hurts. You gotta go over. Let the man do whatever he wants. Time. I still have time. Let him do whatever right. he wants. Next. Over or under. By the way, I do think, and we'll get to this in scores. I do feel like if, like, there's only one way for Kansas City, and that's Mahomes to go nuclear. I can't. That's not necessarily true in Cincinnati. Like they could do it a couple. Yeah, they could. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, we're looking for uh, total yardage. Gibbe, Christian McCaffrey plus Debo Samuel over under the Philly trio of Sanders, Goddard, and Brown. I'm taking Philly just because Homer boy is going to take the 49ers. Under. Uh, I'm going to go same. Same. Of course you are. Three well, for two. Three it's for three two. people. Three for two. Three for two. And it's, uh, it feels likely to me that yeah, that feels pretty good to me. Like All right. That. Next. Over or under. Zagura receiving yardage. Travis Kelsey. Jamar Chase. Just straight up? Straight yeah. receiving yardage. Straight up. Kelsey. Over on Kelsey. Give it. I'll go Chase on this one. Under. Next. Over or under. Sacks, interceptions, and fumbles. Great. A lot of you went uh, all missed up as an L. Yep. AFC over or under NFC. AFC versus NFC. Give it. I take the NFC. Same. Under. God. That's what I, I would have. Your first opportunity, you should the first one is when you would I would have done it anyway. Yep. Next. Over or under. NFC points over under AFC total points scored. AFC. Under. He knows he agrees with me. Chiefs, Bengals, <laughs> or Eagles, I'm Niners. I'm trying to justify it in my head that I can go a the Eagles and Niners I don't could, want to do that. The Eagles and Niners could easily play a game at 38. No, they could not. 38-31. No way. Yes, they could. They no could. way. They could. Take the AFC. Huh? Under as well. God, just one different between you. Between you. That's all right. Fine, You'll, see, this is, that, that gives me enough wiggle room. You got to. You'd have to. to the one difference week. this week you have to get, and then you got to sweep him next week. In two weeks in the Super Bowl, Jamar you Chase. Him. All right. Very good. If Kelsey wins, that's good night, Irene. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, you're up five. Time for your. You. 
I would choose the same because I understand strategy, which you failed to last year. I would just choose the same as you on your two oh, that you I go first, and then you're set, and then I'm set. Yeah. Time for your uh, time for your scores on the championship weekend coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Time for a championship weekend edition of the scores. All right, so obviously I wasn't on the scores last week, so in the divisional round. Yeah, aware that you weren't on. In the divisional round, I mean, in the wild card round, we both went three and three. Yeah. Last week you went two and two, I went three and one, with the my lone loss being the cred G-men. So yeah. we sit at a combined 90 games over 500. Still bitter about that Jacksonville. Well, I know that helped. That you. would be that the was, difference. That was the difference, yeah. Between you being forty-six over <laughs> right. and me being forty-four, or, or vice versa, or vice versa, or inverted, or inverted. So here we are. Yeah. But I mean, there's a reason we get these hoodies. Stunning accomplishments yep. year after year. Why not? We should be in them. An we, incredible record of gamesmanship out of us. That's yeah. right. You're welcome. And we love. It's because we love the people. We love the people. Without the people, the people there's, no there's no us. We no, love you guys. Of course not. We love you. All right. To Championship Sunday we go. Give Three o'clock kick. The game is on Fox. Oh, baby. I'm excited. It is the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles hate everybody, including their own parents. Uh, the Eagles taking on San Fran Zagora. Lead us off. Nerd. Saw you made some smoked pork tenderloin last night. How was it? Delicious, Dad. It was really, really good. It was real good. You need to order monkey butt immediately and smoke it. (laughs) Okay, Dad. I will. He sent me like five things on how to order some monkey butt, which is the picana or whatever, that cut of meat that that's what they call it, monkey butt. Okay. And he's adamant about it. He's big for it. Just big fan. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Yeah. So with that in mind, we're going to smoke their monkey butts. Niners. Huge. I'm gonna. I'll preface this by saying, I can make. I could sit here right now and make an argument for either team winning either game. Yep. Take the points, brother. This. I mean, truly, like they're. I think these could be great. I think all these teams are great. Um, I hope I've, they're great. I've been on the Niners train for a while. I've been a non-believer of the Eagles for a while. Yeah. They've made a believer. I got the gangster. I got the Niners. Yes. I got the Niners by a field goal, thirty to twenty-seven. By the way, how about Sal Pal yesterday? Two things: one, the thirty-five and two blew his mind. Blew his mind. Stop the questioning. Wait, he already sent like, me a text thanking me for that. He's using that. Yeah. Well, you should well, thank well, me. Yeah. Thank you. Going really. to credit us. Yes, yes. Yes. And then the yeah. And then he was, the one was that's a great question. I forget what that one was. Well, that. But then I, really I, like that. I watched it on the stream from home as. And then you used my my, st- my thing all week about the one true genius, and he had none of it. None of it. Hated it. Hated it. Went over like uh, you calling somebody <laughs> AB. <laughs> that's true. Oh, there's Boy, only one AB in the, the AFC, AFC North. North. Oh, well, actually, he's so on the Raiders now. Such an odd thing to say for someone who's employed. And considering that, that, that guy you're referencing is a Raider <laughs> at no this moment, in the not in the division. If you know, you know, kids. If you that's know, right. you know. 
So, was that on a stream or was it even on this show? It was on a special. Release. It was a Browns Live special. It's Browns Live special. Yes. Oh, so it's in my DVR. I knew I saw yep. that. Yeah, you do. <clears throat> yeah. You know that. 6.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS. It is yep. the AFC title game. The Bengals, who will be without Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa, the Bengals confirmed earlier today, visiting the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick one-legged Mahomes. Bishop, lead us off. So I've been, that, I've been on. No, I think he's he's full go. I'm I'm going to be. I've been on the Bengals for a long time. Um, I've had them higher. I almost threw Poizel out of the building for having the Dolphins better than them at one point. <laughs> Would have been justified. Jeez, to be fair. Yeesh. Um, I I can't quit him now, but I will acknowledge that in the deepest recesses of my brain, I think to myself, really, Mahomes is going to lose four in a row. To, to, to Cincinnati, they're really going to lose again at Arrowhead, honestly. Um, Bengals, I think it's a dandy, 35-34. Zagora? It's just like being talked about like it's a foregone it conclusion. Is, is. I know it. And I don't believe that it is a foregone conclusion. The Chiefs get it done at home. Mahomes is the best player in the league. He's going to prove it in a big moment. If if this game were being talked about like the Chiefs were supposed to win, they're the favorite, they're the best team. Yeah, yeah, the Bengals have had their number, but you know their luck's going to run out. If it was being presented that way to me, I'd be like, okay, Bengals, fine. I think it'd be a great game. I would like the Chiefs to wear all red. I would like the Bengals to wear all white. I think that'd be stunning, a stunning look at <laughs> the monochrome. I love that white helmet though. I think that white helmet is just yeah. It's I do like the orange popping against the white. I like okay. the juxtaposition of it. But all right. anyway, you got Kansas City. Oh. Mahomes, yeah. To Kelsey late, down four. Dagger. Back to the Super Bowl go the Chiefs. Run it back. They win like as every other they win every other year. As you make as as we're making all of this though, Gibby, and you probably can acknowledge this as well. I bet each one of us, if we were doing this, could have formulated an argument the other way. Of course. And it would have been just as convincing. They they are the the four teams are so evenly matched with each other, the two teams matched with each other appropriately there's no i mean my god these this it's plus two and a half and plus one you can't know what's going to happen nobody there's knows what's no gonna way happen. these man. games could go either way no they could and I, they both could be great i don't see any scenario where either one of these is a bad game i hope not i could well in the nfc i could, could see, see if Eagles? somebody goes or niners i think if somebody goes up like 17 nothing at some point or up 17 in the third quarter yeah it could get well curtains. you better hope it's the niners because i don't can the Niners play from behind? Well, I don't, I don't know, know that, that the Eagles, Eagles can, can as either, well though. in a straight dropback scenario. I don't know. They're probably a little better equipped, but the I don't AFC know. The AFC both could. Both could chase yes. if they needed to, yes. and I think the Chiefs' yes. defense is one you could definitely chase yes. on, maybe even more so than the Bengals. I think it's great. Enjoy it, kids. Enjoy it. Oh, man, can't wait. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're back to break it all down in the creams. The crab. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.